What's happening, everybody? Welcome. This is First and Goal, the hardest-hitting, up-and-coming ACC and SEC football podcast on the internet today. I'm your host, Ben. Going here as always by my co-host, Big Rob. Today we're going to be discussing the 2021 LSU Tigers, and we're also going to discuss that Super Bowl. Not too happy with how it went. But before we jump into this thing, go ahead and buckle up that chin strap, put in that mouthpiece. It's going to be a hard hitter. Let's get it. All right, everybody, what's going on? We are back, ready to do the damn thing. Had a little bit of a long break. We decided to take off Valentine's Day, spend it with the wives. I know mine certainly appreciate it. How about you, Big Rob? How the hell are you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing good, brother. Doing good. Just enjoying another beautiful day, talking a little bit of football. How about that Super Bowl, though? Oh, man. It was a great game all the way up to the fourth quarter. Talk about a disappointment. Bo, I'm telling you, man. It's just hard to stomach watching a game in the last minute, basically, dictated by the Zebras. Yeah, absolutely, brother. I got to tell you, I love the sport of football. Absolutely love it. Football at its best is pure. But when a game is dictated, the outcome is decided not by what the players do, not by what the coaches do, but by some very shady calls by some zebras, by some referees, that just don't sit right with me. That's not pure football. No, it really isn't. And well, I'm going to be honest to you. There was some, there was some iffy calls. There was some blatant no calls that had happened early on in the game. I get it. You know, a lot of people saying, "Hey, you know, if they'd throw that flag, who's to say that T. Higgins would have ever scored?" Whenever he grabbed the face mask and uh, drew the defender down. But who's to say he wouldn't have scored? And then there towards the end, man, I mean, you know, especially when they were called with a holding call and then a pass interference, and then the, what would have been an offensive pass interference when the kid got choke slammed, that was a no call. So penalties offsetting there. Get a retry the down in the next place, a touchdown for the game winner. Come on, man. Oh, exactly, man. And I hated to see it go down that way. I can live with it if it was a blatant penalty. If you can see the player did it, I can get that completely. But when the people in the booth are even sitting there saying, I, I don't know, man, your guess is as good as mine on that one. I don't see it. That first offensive pass, pass interference in the uh, red zone. Uh, defense pass interference. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, it just, it, I don't know, it was shady. It was too shady. But then again, I mean, Los Angeles, the NFL, that's a big money town. You got Los Angeles playing in Los Angeles. That's kind of a head scratcher because you had last season Tampa Bay playing in Tampa Bay. Some iffy calls to get them in the Super Bowl last year. Tom Brady's final Super Bowl. Yeah, and then this year, the man who wins the Super Bowl is the man who retired, Tom Brady. Yep. And it was a big Cinderella story on this one. Yep. It's kind of, I don't know, it's just a little too shady, but I guess that's why I'm not a big follower of NFL football anymore, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I really don't follow the NFL much anymore either. I mean, used to be, I was a huge, huge NFL fan, never missed a game. But I don't know, man, the the 
calls just got questionable. The games just seem to be scripted anymore. <clears throat> There's not really any sort of a wow factor like there used to be. No, not really at all. It just it all seems so scripted, so to speak. And then when the announcers start even calling the plays before they even happen. Yeah, that's a little suspect right there, man. I mean, that final play. Oh, he, he's got to go in motion here. Got to get him. Got to get him offset. What happens? Gets in motion. Goes offset. Goes to the corner of the end zone where they even said, "Yeah, you need to put him right in the corner of the end zone." And boom! Touchdown. Yep. I mean, it went down word for word of how they called it, but uh, I don't know. The whole thing just really bothers me. If you look at guys in those games, even in the Super Bowl, yeah, you see some guys getting emotional after games over. But during the game, if you really look at people's faces, there's not a whole lot of emotion. There's not a whole lot of heart because when it comes down to it, these guys are getting paid millions of dollars either way. Absolutely. So, And especially if it is scripted. I mean, you look at some of those Cincinnati Bengals that were on the sidelines. Even Joe Burrow, even though he's Joe Cool, did you really see any emotion except for when the final buzzer rang? Nah, he really, I mean, don't get me wrong, he's an ice-cold dude. But you look at Joe Burrow in the Super Bowl and then look at Joe Burrow when he won that natty with the LSU Tigers. It's two whole different people. I mean, a lot of those guys, you look at Matthew Stafford when he was trailing no emotion whatsoever. None of those guys really show a whole lot of emotion. Because in the end, I mean, yeah, you get a trophy, but at the same time, you've already reached your pinnacle. You're not playing for nothing anymore. You got your big payday. What, what really are you out there playing for at that point? I mean, you make a valid point there, but I mean, 11 seasons with the Detroit Lions, your first season out of Detroit, you make it to a Super Bowl. You win the Super Bowl. I mean, the, I, I, I believe I would have some emotions there. <laughs> I'd have to, but at the same time, I mean, hell, he's good to go. He's taken care of. I mean, especially with that contract he signed at the beginning of the season. And in all reality, the money Los Angeles spent building that team this year, that's another thing both in the NFL. Yeah. This is not a team that's coached. And I guess it kind of sucks with college football now and transfer portal, so to speak. This is not a team that's built, that you coached up and built and developed. You're just the highest bidder. The highest bidder gets the best team. Pretty much. Pretty much, man. There's no there's no team building really going on. Man. You, you just basically get the best talent out, hope they mesh in the offseason or even even in midseason because, I mean, look at uh, OJB. OBJ. OBJ, yeah. He came in the middle season, man, and tore it up from there. Speaking of Terry, did you see what he did to his knee? Tore his ACL in the same knee within two years. Good grief. I was afraid that was the same deal that happened to Pearl there whenever that offensive line let, let everybody through. He definitely injured something, that's for sure, because you can see the pain on that young man's face, bro. It, it didn't look pretty, but he got he toughed it out and got back out there. And I mean, that's just like Stafford toughing it out getting back out there. But at the same time, after the game, they're both walking around perfectly fine. So, are they really hurt, or is this just all part of the? Man, I don't know how. All part of the drama, so to speak. Yeah, I don't know how he would have not got hurt whenever he got his ankle rolled up on there. That just looked like he freaking snapped it in half. It didn't look pretty. That's a damn sure. 
But Stafford, I ain't gonna take nothing from him. He's a tough cat, man. That's a tough dude. But uh, I don't know. I just Super Bowl. You know what the best part of the Super Bowl was this year? Oh, all bullshit aside, what the best part was? The halftime show. Hell yeah! <laughs> Doctor Dre, old Fifty Center, as some people want to call him, Tree Fitty now. <laughs> yeah. Doctor Dre, Fifty Cent, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, and um. Mary, Mary J. Blige. Yeah, Mary J. I mean, they were getting down. That was a hell of a halftime show. Absolutely, man. And don't get me wrong, it was a hell of a halftime show, man. Childhood relived. But, and, and <laughs> I'm a big guy myself. Anybody who knows me knows I'm a big guy myself. But how they could have kept old Shree 50 strapped. Up top, upside down like that without everything falling down, I'll never know. No, I don't know. That was, <laughs> that was pretty funny. But what's funny is everybody's cracking fat jokes. But then when the man stood up right. Oh, Bo. That, that was a pretty jacked up dude. He's yeah. like a damn NFL player himself. I wouldn't yeah. want to get hit by him. Oh, barrel chested. Yeah. Everybody's sitting there, he's fat. That, that's <laughs> what inflation will do to you. I'm like, no. Nah. No. Nah. That's what pumping iron does to you. Right, nope, nope, nope. Listen, the dad bobs in. I got a gut. I don't want to get hit by that dude. <laughs> no. Absolutely freaking not. But I tell you what, he, he put on a show, Eminem put on a show, and everybody talking about Eminem kneeling. Man, I don't know what to think about that. But Everybody wants to bring politics on football. Once again, another reason why I have a hard time with professional sports period anymore. It's all become just a big political platform. It's like, can we keep the politics out of the sports? Absolutely, man. Let's just keep football pure. Keep it football. I, I wish they would. NFL, I've given up on that. You're not keeping the NFL pure. There's just too much payoffs going on, so to speak. Absolutely. After the Panthers lost that Super Bowl to the Broncos, <laughs> I pretty much gave up on the NFL. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, talk about a scripted game. That, that was just... I ain't even gonna get into that one. That, that was one of the most insulting examples of football I've ever seen. But yeah, that's that's pretty much whenever I gave up football for a couple of years. I'm just saying, I figured the whole kneeling thing in the halftime show was a uh, one artist paying homage to the other artist that basically got their career started for them. You know, and everybody, oh no, it's this, it's that. Man, y'all get the hell out of here. I don't care what it was. Let's just call it what it was a great halftime show. Leave it at that. Yeah. But even with the great halftime show, man, that, that pretty much was negated to me with the, the ending of the dang Super Bowl. It really was. It really was. Like, it just up, up to the last two minutes of the game, I was like, no, this is one of the best Super Bowls we've had in a long, long time. A oh, me too. Great halftime show that didn't leave, that shouldn't have left anybody offended. I'm telling you, to me, it was one of the best Super Bowls I'd ever seen. At least since the very, very early 2000s. One of the best ones I can remember in a very long time. I enjoyed it all the way through. And let's be honest, man. It was a defensive battle up to the end. It was. It was a great game. And then all of a sudden, the rest, you just have to, I don't know. It just pisses me off, man. Bullshit. Absolutely. Bull crap. Excuse my language, y'all. Just... No, no. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that, what you originally said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Enough with the corruption. Enough with the millionaires. Let's talk college football, my dude. Let's talk a little college football. What you got? How about those 2021 LSU Tigers? <laughs> yeah, man. The last year of Coach O. Let's have a moment of silence for Coach O for a moment. Moment he, of silence. He's, he's not dead. But we're going to miss this guy. Definitely. Hurry up and get another job, Coach O. Hopefully down there at Florida State. All right, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool if he came in Florida State. Though. That would be wild. <laughs> but uh, I don't know, man. Those LSU Tigers ended the season six and six in regular season, then six and seven overall. Lost their bowl game, but uh, got smoked in that bowl game. <laughs> yeah, they did. But at the same time, they didn't have their leader. They didn't have their head coach. So it was just. Bit of a train wreck. They lost to Texas Bowl, which is kind of a odd name. They lost to the Kansas State Wildcats, 42-20. Ugly end of the season, but realistically, the real season ended at Texas A&M with a huge win, 27-24 over the Aggies, knocking old Jimbo off his stool, so to speak. Off his pedestal. Yeah. And closing out Coach O. And if only the whole season could have went. The way that A&M game went. I mean, this is a this is crazy as a roller coaster season. It had the highs of highs, and damn if it had the lows of lows, especially for LSU program. Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, an overall record, 6-7. and seven. You're looking at a loss to UCLA in the opening game, 38-27, which is an 11-point game. But that was still a winnable game. Yeah, man. I mean, I don't know. You, losing to UCLA in the season opener, that's pretty rough. Yeah, I think that but was uh, that started driving the nail in the coffin, I believe. It was definitely a punch in the mouth for sure. And but the, then when you lose to Auburn 24-19, that doesn't help. But at the same time, Auburn was on a pretty good roll at that time. They was rolling pretty strong when – they played LSU. But the following week, when you go down to the Kentucky Wildcats, 42-21, to 21, that hurts. That's that's a big-time hurt there. You know, everybody was wondering how Kentucky was going to be this year, especially with that new quarterback. And don't get me wrong. At that point in time, Kentucky was also on a tear. Hey, man, Will Levis, that kid played his ass off this year. He, he really did. He's coming back for another season at Kentucky, which scares me. Don't remind me. <laughs> But you look at that Kentucky game, okay? I mean, Max Johnson, 261 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. That's not very good. Yo, that's not very good stats no. when you look at the final score, down three touchdowns. The rushing game, they did pretty good. 147 yards, 6.7 yards of carry, and two touchdowns for Tyree and Davis Price. Mm-hmm. 6.7 yards of carry, hell, I'll take it. All day, every day. I mean, that's outstanding stats. But then when you look at the defense in this game, I mean, it's just it's rough. It is absolutely rough. Defense gave up 475 total yards. Ouch. They only held their offense put up 408. You would think it'd be a good game. But then you look at yards per play. Kentucky averaged 7.7. she's 5.5. Two yard difference. Yep. Which means they were giving up a lot more big plays. And the LSU did lose one fumble. 
Kentucky scored off of that turnover. Foot points on the board. So little things like that will put you in the hole. Mm-hmm. But when Kentucky is running 11 less plays on offense than you, and they beat you on time of possession by five minutes, it's not good. Not good at all. So it's just it don't look good. It, it really don't, man. And, you know, you have to question the defense. And, you know, historically LSU's had a pretty dead gum good defense. But this year, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened there. Even in their defense, it wasn't. And if I'm not mistaken, they lost their defensive coordinator this season, uh, before the start of the 2021 season. They fired him. Hired a new one. Yep. So they had that. But also, in the preseason, right before the season started, you lose your starting quarterback, <laughs> Miles Brennan, who was a hell of an athlete. I mean, a stud of a player. And you got Max Johnson. Don't get me wrong. He's got NFL bloodline, so that's exciting. But at the same time, he's very young, man. Very young guy. And correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't Brennan the one that got injured last season, too? He was. So that tells me he's got a little bit of an injury-prone problem. I don't know if it's injury-prone or just bad luck. <laughs> one and the same, really. I mean, you can say that, but, hell, you look at guys like, um, who the hell's quarterback Carolina had a couple years ago? You're talking about Colin Hill? Yeah. Horrible luck with his knees. Yeah. But then he comes to a conference where he gets hit more than he's ever been hit in his career. Made a whole season just fine. Yeah, but you got to wonder how many uh, steel rods he might have had in his knees. <laughs> I mean, you can't label a guy injury prone. Because it could be two unrelated injuries. Cannot say injury prone. I'm not going to label him that yet. Now, if he goes three for three, <laughs> yeah, that kid's got problems. But I ain't going to put that on him. It's just bad luck. And then Max Johnson, he got a little bit of playing time last year. Not a whole lot. But then all of a sudden, very last minute, hey, go out there and save us. And by the way, your coach's job's on the line this year. Don't screw <laughs> up. That's, that's self-pressure. That's an ass pressure, man. I mean, you look at season opener. He put up pretty impressive stats. 26 of 46. 330 yards, three touchdowns, but then there's that one pick in there. And did uh, UCLA score on that pick? Yeah. Yeah. They put points on the board. That's uh, kind of the story. It wasn't a pick six, but they put points on the board with the turnover. And that's kind of the story of the season, really, man, because – Switch over to that uh, Alabama game real quick. Well, hold on one second. Before I get to that, though, you look at the stats this game, okay? They're rushing yards. Their leading rusher had 30 yards, averaged 2.3 yards carry. You can't take a rookie quarterback and say, hey, go out there and save us. By the way, we have no rushing game whatsoever. You, you can't do it. Cannot do it. No, not at all. It's just it doesn't put you in a good situation. Like we said before, if you don't have an offense that can stay on the field, it's going to wear that defense out. It doesn't matter. I don't care if it's Georgia's defense. Yep. They can't take it. No. You want to look at the Bama game? Yeah, let's look at the Bama game. All right, Bama game. Max Johnson, 16-32, so 50% pass completion. That's not the best in the world. But 160 yards, two touchdowns. But you look at the rushing game in this one, 104 yards, average four and a half yards carry. You had a little bit of a rushing game. Look at that turnover margin for me real quick. 
Let's see here. Bama lost one fumble. And that was it. LSU lost the fumble and they threw an interception. So LSU lost the turnover battle in that game. Absolutely. And it was either right before halftime or right after halftime. But I know that they threw an interception. Bama had just scored the previous possession. They went back down to go up two scores. And uh, LSU ends up losing that game. What was it? 14-20. 14-20. That's right. And the big thing that kept LSU in this game, though, is you look at their fourth down efficiency. LSU went for it on fourth down seven times. Yeah. Converted five of them. Yeah. But, I mean, that's the game Coach O's famous line was, we're going for it. Yeah. We're going for it every time. We came here to win this football yeah. game. It was, his, it was the last game. He really didn't give a crap what happened. He, he, he was there to win. It wasn't his last game. Or it was his last game versus Alabama. For now. For now. <laughs> we ain't counting Coach O out, damn it. <laughs> He just—it's a tale of two offenses. You got one off. You got some games where your offense shows up, and every game where LSU had a good rushing attack, they were in that ball game. Yeah. If they if if they didn't win it. Yeah. But when they did not have a rushing attack, couldn't play. Let's see. Even if your quarterback's decent, that doesn't mean your quarterback stinks. But if you have no rushing attack. It's a lot harder to stay on the field consistently, throwing the ball every down. Absolutely. And you start going three and out, leaves a lot of time on the clock, so you have no control of the clock whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Other team can just grind it out, grind it out, wear your defense down, and then next thing you know, halfway through the third quarter, your defense is gassed. Absolutely, man. I mean, the best way to cover up inexperience is with a rushing game. Exactly. Without a doubt, dude. It's just, you've got to have a rushing attack if you want. How can I put this? If you want to play balanced football, if you want to cover up inexperience and youth on offense and you want to cut down on mistakes in the passing game, you got to have a good rushing attack to help disguise it, to cover it up. Yeah, absolutely. Got to cover up, uh, you know, that – those inconsistencies as well, man. And, you know, it also helps when you've got a good offensive line that can get out and, you know, open up the lanes and whatnot. That's exactly right. I mean, you look at this LSU game versus Florida. Don't get me wrong, Florida had their issues. But when they played, Florida was still somewhat on a roll. But the reason LSU won, big reason, Tyrion, Pro- Tyrion Price, 267 yards rushing. Go off, young or, man. Or excuse me, 287, 287. Shoot. Go, off, uh, go off, young man. 36 carries, averaged eight yards a carry, three touchdowns. Good grief, Bo. And look, they've had success in this game. The rushing game had big success. You look at Max Johnson, 130 yards passing. Got three touchdowns, but only 130 yards through there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he didn't have to pass, man. That running game did the work. That's exactly right. Okay, they lost to Auburn, mm-hmm. 19-24. All right. LSU's leading rusher, 22 yards. That was leading rusher. No rushing game. You lost that one. All right. Let's see here. Let's see what they did against Ole Miss. 
They lost 1731, leading rusher, 53 yards. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a common denominator right here. Yeah, very much so. In the game against Arkansas, lost by a field goal to a very good Arkansas team. Played with a different quarterback, which I don't think I necessarily agree with that, but I think Max Johnson got hurt early on in this game. Garrett Nussmeyer was your starting quarterback for the majority of the game. 18-31, one touchdown, two interceptions. Your running back had 106 yards, but he only averaged 3.8 carry. But you lost 16-13, and you threw the ball away two different times. Little mental mistakes, man, is what killed this LSU team. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. If you can cut those out, LSU could have very well been a 9-3 team this year. Well, let's just take a look at the close games alone, man. I mean, you know, we'll cut out the Kentucky game because they were so far behind. Cut out the Ole Miss because they were so far behind. But you look at UCLA, you look at Auburn. Well, even take UCLA out of it. You look at Auburn, you look at Alabama, and you look at Arkansas. They could have been a 9-4 and four team. Yeah, absolutely, dude. That's what I'm saying. And you look at the games they struggled the most was when there was no rushing game and they leaned on Max Johnson to basically pull them out, carry him. And when you have a very young and inexperienced quarterback, you can't put the weight of the world on their shoulders. No, not at all. Not at all. It's just you're asking way too much. Yes, there's been a few quarterbacks in history who might do that, but you know what? Not everybody's going to be a Trevor Lawrence. Not everybody's going to be a Peyton Manning or Eli Manning. Or Tom Brady. No. Hell, Tom Brady couldn't do that in college. No, not at all. <laughs> Tom Brady in the pros. If he didn't have rushing it. Tom Brady's whole career. What's he had? Everywhere he's been. He's had a tight end, and he's had a uh, receiver that he could dump it off to. He's had a pretty good rushing attack everywhere he's been. Yeah, and a lot of those, uh, a lot of those running backs really were, you know, less known running backs, except for down here at Tampa Bay. Yes, great ones up in New England. I Merriweather. Mean, you look at um, or not Merriweather? What the hell is his name? It was a white boy. He's pretty damn good. I know that. But you also got to think Corey Dillon. Yeah, he did have Dylan. I forgot about Dylan. And he had a fault. What the hell is his first name? Marshall. No, not Marshall Fault. Marshall Fault played for the Rams. Oh, yeah. Hell's wrong with you. <laughs> Shame on you. I can't resign his name, but he's had a good running back. He's had a good balanced rushing attack everywhere he's been. Right. So, and if you think about it, in history, most of your successful quarterbacks have a good rushing attack behind them. Oh, yeah. I mean, they might put up big stats, but do they win the big games? Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, look at this year's Super Bowl. Both teams had a good quarterback and a good running back. I mean, you had Austin Eckler, and you also had um, – Austin Eckler. Or yeah, Eckler. Who the hell did Eckler play for? The Rams. No, he didn't. Cam Akers played for the Rams. You're right, Akers. I'm sorry. Austin Eckler played for the Chargers. You're right. My apologies. That's why you're the notorious goofy. <laughs> but, but you also had for the Bengals, uh, Nixon. Nixon. 
Yeah, Mixon. Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon. I mean, you just look at history, though, Rob. Think about it. Peyton Manning, the years he won the Super Bowl, he had great running backs. Yeah. When Peyton Manning didn't have a great rushing attack. He put up big stats, but did he win anything, really? No. No, that's, he's pretty much a choke artist. Brett Favre, when he won his championship, had a great running back. Yep. The year Aaron Rodgers won his championship. That was year, I think it was Eddie Lacy. That was before he went off the deep end, binge eating, and became 350 pounds. <laughs> I mean, I can go on. Yeah. On and on and on. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Look at Joe Montana. Absolutely. Look at the Rams when they lost to the Patriots in the Super Bowl. They had Todd Gurley the whole season. Got hurt in the playoffs. Played New England. Couldn't do nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You got to have a, you got to have a good rushing attack. And especially in college football, yeah, you'll have some days where you're not going to have a good rushing attack here and there. But the thing is, if you have a very inexperienced quarterback, it's going to show on those days. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, man. Because if you don't have somebody that's going to be able to back up the linebackers or back up the you know, the help in the defensive backfield, I mean, you ain't going to be able to get very many yards, if any at all. No, no, hell no. I mean, you, you, somebody's got to loosen them up. That's exactly right, my man. So, I don't know. It's interesting. I wish, I wish things could have been different. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I guarantee Coach O wishes things could have been different, but, uh, I mean, you just looked at that man, and he lived and breathed LSU football. Oh, no doubt. No doubt, man. I but mean, after every interview, go Tigers. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was kind of saying, man, if the Auburn coach gets fired, I said, how hilarious would that be if Coach O ends up rolling into Auburn? Go Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never hear War Eagle ever again. It'll just be go Tigers. Go Tigers. I still say he'd be a perfect fit down there at Florida State, though, man. Golden Oles. That that would be a jam-up fit, I honestly believe. But they just – the odds were not in their favor. No, no, it really wasn't. I mean, so many close games they played in that could have went either way, that could have been – a totally different story. Totally different story, man. And Especially with mental mistakes. Yeah, yeah. And the LSU O-line, I mean, you can't put it on those guys because you watch the film. The O-line, the holes are there, the gaps are there. But the thing is, they know you got an inexperienced quarterback, so they say, okay, if we can shut down this rushing attack, we can blitz, if we can play really aggressive on defense and shut down this rushing attack, we can make – Max Johnson beat us with his arm. And I also saw quite a many uh, delayed blitzes. Oh, absolutely. And that's another thing. You do a delayed blitz, a young quarterback might not pick up on that. Yep. All these things come with experience. But if an offense is one-dimensional, we spoke this the other day. If I'm a DC and I see an offense is very one-dimensional, I'm doing everything I can just take that one thing away from them. Say, okay. I'm going to take your main source, your main power away from you, and I'm going to make you one-dimensional 
or excuse me, <laughs> damn it, <laughs> got more mixed up here, y'all. But if I'm going into a game, I'm, my goal is to make this offense one dimensional. If I can make you one dimensional, and I can see you struggling, I got you. It's over. Absolutely. Now, if I shut down the run completely, and all of a sudden this quarterback goes throwing 40 and 50-yard bombs on me left and right, going to get a little nervous. I'm going to be like, oh, boy. Now we're going to have to drop the backs back and everything, and if they had a good rush of the attack to start with, that's where you got problems. But if you got an inexperienced quarterback, makes little mental mistakes, and that's what young quarterbacks are known for, just making little mistakes, holding on to the ball too long, trying to be a hero. Yeah. Yeah, as a defensive coordinator, man, when you can say, hey, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take away your running game, and I double-dog dare you to beat me deep. What you going to do about it? Well, ain't, sure. nothing, ain't nothing they can do. No, ain't nothing you, they can do about it, but it's just kind of like Super Bowl. All right, with Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's a hell of a quarterback. But how many times did he get sacked where he could have thrown the ball out of bounds? Saved himself several yards. Or he could have, instead of looking for that home run, say at the end of the game with a one yard to go, look for that pass underneath. Quit looking down the field. Look underneath. You got one yard. Get one yard. Keep the game going. But instead, it's just little mental mistakes. When you know a team is blitzing you as as bad as what the Rams did with Joe Burrowbo, I mean, why not take that that tight end, do about a three-yard curl and at least get three or four yards that way because ain't nobody covering the middle of the field because they're rushing linebackers. Well, that's my thing, man. It's just little mental mistakes with youth. Hey, don't get me wrong. You put me out there, you out or anybody else. We can't do no damn better. I mean, (laughs) hell no. Hell no. I wish I had half the talent these guys got. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But. Shit, I'd just love to be out there on the practice field. (laughs) Man, it's easy to sit here and break down film. It's easy to do that. But when you got young quarterbacks, and you can look back at history, nine times out of ten, when your starter goes down right on the brink of the season beginning, you might see some progress towards the end of the year, but most of those teams, they struggle throughout the season. Absolutely. You know, it's... It's easy at the beginning of the season to have everything planned out, but when you're ba- when what you're basing your team around, your offense around, goes down last minute. I mean, it's <laughs> Katie bar the door because we're in trouble. But uh, yeah, man, this this LSU team is just. I mean, they, they did have the bright spots this season. Um, you know, lowest of lows, highest of highs, man. And, you know, when they were good, they were they were great. But, you know, when they crashed, they, they burned. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt whatsoever, man. But, yeah, that's, uh, you know, especially with a close game like Alabama, man, 20 to 14 is as big of a – Rivalry game is what that has become between Coach O and, you know, little Nicky out there, man. I know Coach O wanted that one bad, but you should have seen him out there. I mean, if you didn't watch this game, man, you should have seen Coach O out there on the sidelines when they did convert the fourth downs. Or, you know, they go to punt and they run a fake punt. 
and just throw it over the top and get 25 yards off of that fake punt, man. He was going nuts out there. That's right. And um, I'm sorry, I was just doing a little research. I couldn't remember a guy's name, but you know what I was saying about quarterbacks getting hurt? You would start and you bring it back up then. All right. In 2018, Florida Gators had a quarterback named Felipe Franks. Had a hell of a year in 2018. Everybody thought he was the next, next big thing for the next Chris Leak or I ain't going to say Tim Debo because ain't nobody at Florida ever going to out get out that shadow. No. But uh, had a quarterback, Felipe Franks, put on a hell of a year in 2018. Beginning of 2019, started off red hot. Everybody said, oh, man, this guy's awesome. Goes down with the injury against Kentucky. They end up losing that game. Mm-hmm. The rest of the season, Florida was not the same. They had a backup quarterback in there. He played okay, but he also cost them some games. Quarterback named Kyle Trask. <laughs> now, in 2020, once he got some experience under his belt, had a whole offseason knowing he's the starter, came in in 2020, Kyle Trask was a damn Heisman contender. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, Kyle Trask, was he, he was the man out there. I mean, he was no Tim Tebow, but, you know, he – he definitely had that experience under his belt and knew when to dump it off or, you know, when to get it out quick, when to throw it away. But, you know, he also they also had him some weapons out there too. They have some weapons. My thing is it's different when you have a whole preseason knowing you're the starter. You're getting all the starting reps with the first-team offense going up against first-team defense. You know what you got to look forward to. When you're a second-string quarterback, a lot of your reps are with second-team offense. You're going against second-team defense. Right. You're not in a very fair – you're not in a good position as far no. as getting ready. You're not quite prepared. Yeah, you say you want your backup quarterback prepared, but you, there's no way to ever get your backup quarterback to be 100% ready. No, no. Because your, your starter is going to get all the starting – the starting reps, man, and there's really no way to be able to work that back up in, you know, unless he goes in by himself and, you know, starts throwing to some of the, the starters on his own, but, you know, it can't be sanctioned. That's right. I mean, you just – you lose your quarterback in the very beginning. That's like losing your lead general – in the first battle of a war. Oh, yeah. You're in a very big disadvantage from there on out. you got to scramble and hope like hell you can pull a miracle out your behind. Absolutely. All your great quarterbacks are known as field generals. That's right. And especially if you don't have a consistent rushing game, you're in trouble. Yeah. I mean, think of it like this, man. You, you've got your general out there on the field – trying to guide everywhere you go, you know, everybody to, to the positions they need to be. But where's the cavalry? That's right. That's a good way to put it, man. You just, you got to have everybody. Football is very much a team sport. That's why I love it. Absolutely. But it'll drive me insane at the same time because if you are not hitting on all eight cylinders, well, engine reference for you. <laughs> If all 11 players are not doing their job, pulling their own weight, it'll drag the other 10 down. You can have 10 guys out there doing outstanding. You can have one man that's not 100%, and it could cost it for the other 10. What happens when an engine is out of time? 
skips like hell. And that's what that's basically what this LSU team did this year. Running game was out of time. Running game was out of time. Quarterback was not fighting rhythm, you can tell. Just a lot of little things, man. I hate it for them. But with that being said, I'm excited to see what they do this year. I don't know how it's going to work out with Brian Kelly. Not a big fan of that hire. Not at all. Not at all. He could do big things down there. He really could. I mean, he he just may very well be what LSU needed, but the way they did Cocho and how fake this guy is, I'll never be able to get behind LSU again. I'm still going to pull for LSU. I don't care. And don't get me wrong, from a coaching standpoint, Brian Kelly, he checks all the boxes. Checks all the boxes. I just don't care for the man's character. Don't care for the character at all. The character is just, I don't know, man. When you can't have character, when you can't trust a guy, you know, especially to be be from up north and to come down with a fake southern draw, southern accent, that that just screams fake. Well, that annoys me, but what bothers me more than anything is you tell your team, you tell your school, you tell everybody. That's your dream job. You're not leaving that place. There's no way you're ever leaving that place. Not going to happen. And then you haul ass and you don't even meet with your players. You just shoot them a text message. I, I, I don't care for that. No. No, it's, there's no personalization with the team. Just basically a text message the same use. I'm gone. That's right. But right now we're not going to discuss Kelly too much. We're not going to discuss their 2022 season. That's going to be for another day. We're discussing 2021. And what I saw in 2021 is, like I said, a tale of two offenses. Yep. Defense is pretty consistent with their stats every game. You can tell the games where LSU offense did not have rushing to that attack, coincidentally, was also the same games where the LSU defense gave up more yards. Yep. They just couldn't get that break, man, get that breather in to, to stay with them. That's exactly right, man. But I don't know. I don't know. It's a frustrating situation. I hate – I love LSU, love the program, but it's always hard to really get more material, especially it's hard to discuss last year when you know everybody on that coaching staff is not there. Every single – Coach is gone. And half the players. Half the players have transferred. And, I mean, true, we're not talking about 2022 just yet, but, you know, we can't go into the background of a coach if he's not there. I mean, we don't care what his background is if he's not going to be there anymore. And, you know, it – man, I don't know. But, you know, they do have some good players coming back. Um Like like Ben said, it was a tale of two offenses and nothing was timed just right. You know, you could never really get it hardly to match up. When you did, magical things happened, but it was far and few between, really. And, um, you know, just, you know, especially with, you know, the Mississippi State Bulldogs, man. That was a close game, but everything was going good. Uh, you look at the Florida Gators, man. They they put up some some good points against Florida. 
Yeah, but who didn't throw them points against Florida <laughs> at the end of the year? But you got some quality wins there. You got Mississippi State and Texas. A&M. That's what I'm saying. This team, when everything worked out, they could have beat any team in the nation this year. They really could have. They had the talent. Yeah, talent was not a problem. Talent, let's be honest. Talent has never been a problem at LSU. No. No, hell no. It's always absolutely loaded. It's just inexperience. Inexperience beats volume. Absolutely. And sadly, that's inexperience is what, uh, what got Coach O out of there. Unfortunately. But we wish him best. I'm sure this is not the last we've seen of old Coach O. And the Brian Kellen, Brian Kelly area is beginning or has begun, so to speak. They're looking really good at recruiting and all that. We'll be getting into them another day. Absolutely. And I think LSU will have a better season next year. I think they will. But that being said, man, I think we're going to call the dogs and piss on fire on this one. All right. Let's piss on that fire. Let's call them dogs. And y'all just uh, hit us up on Facebook, Twitter. You know what to do. If y'all uh, want to talk football with us, have any thoughts about LSU, let us know. That's exactly right. We always love talking football. We love chat with any of y'all. We always enjoy outside perspectives, point of view, whatever you got for us, man. But, uh, we hope to be back soon. We plan on doing another episode this coming Thursday evening. We're going to be discussing the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, switching back over to the ACC and the Coastal Division. Yes, sir. And the Yellow Jackets down there at Georgia Tech, man, they they had a couple of good games last year. I can't wait to really touch base on that team and, you know, go over what they were able to do. Yes, sir. And, I mean, basically I wonder is just, are they ever going – when are they going to get good again? <laughs> But it's it's really hard to say, man. I mean, you've got to compete for talent down there in Georgia with the Bulldogs and, you know, South Carolina come knocking on the door, Florida. You know, it's uh, it's really hard to recruit the state of Georgia. Yes, sir. But don't worry. we got a good game plan for this one, and I think you all are going to enjoy it. But uh, till then, you all keep those drinks cold, keep the film rolling, and we will see you all soon. We're going to go Tigers. <laughs>